Well, tonight we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. So if you want to turn there, and as you're doing that, I just want to share with you that I truly believe this is a word from the Lord. Um, I'm going to guess it was eight or ten weeks ago. Um, I was reading this passage, and the Lord you know, gave me something that he pressed on my heart. Uh, and my immediate reaction, what I felt the Lord was telling me, was I should go to Rob and share it with the leadership team. Um, and it's something that probably should be shared with the church. And um, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, approximately that time. And shortly thereafter, I told my wife, because I journal these things, boy, the Lord gave me a message. And you know, sometimes Rob will ask me to teach. So if he does, I know exactly what I'm going to teach the next time um, that comes up. And uh, about, I don't know, two weeks later, uh, Rob emailed the leadership team and said, hey, guys, you know, I might want you to share something with the church you know, on a Wednesday night. And if anybody has anything that the Lord's given them, let me know. <laughs> so um, I shared it with them, and he said, yeah, I see it. And so I just know that this is something, a confirmation that the Lord has for us tonight. My plan is to just look at the Church of Philadelphia here in Revelation 3 and draw some parallels for us, because I think it applies to us as a church at, at Calvary Chapel Vista, but also um, applies to us as individuals. So let's read uh, verses 7 through 13, and then uh, we'll get started. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole earth, or whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I mentioned in my prayer, but tonight what I have is an exhortation, I think, for the church and and an encouraging word and encouragement from the Lord for our church and personally for me and and for you as well. And it's centered on verse 11. And uh, here he said, uh, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. And the exhortation is to continue, to continue in the things that we've done and the things that we are doing to hold fast to that to stay the course. In fact, I entitled this message, Stay the Course. And the encouragement is a reminder that we will be rewarded for doing so. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. And Philadelphia was considered the persecuted church. Um, They um, lived in very difficult times. And the world we're living in here, I think what's happening around us and what's likely to come is not too dissimilar um, to what they faced. Um, And Philadelphia was also a very faithful church. They were known as the Persevering Church. And they, I think, are a really good example to us um, looking forward. They remained true to the Lord in conduct and in deed in what they did. And so um, that's really the focus of what we want to look at tonight. But before we get to those two specific things, um, and I'll start with the exhortation to continue in what um, we've been doing and and what we um, are doing. 
Um, Jesus said here, just said by way of background in verse 8, I know your works. I know your works, he said to them. And they were good. They were good works at the Church of Philadelphia. The church served God well in very difficult circumstances. And they displayed faithfulness in the midst of opposition, which made them the persevering church in addition to being the persecuted church. And uh, I think it's worth noting that of the seven churches that are written to in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, Philadelphia is only one of two, Smyrna being the other one, um, that received a commendation from the Lord as opposed to a condemnation from the Lord. And I always sort of hate to use the word condemnation and say that comes from the Lord because we know there's no condemnation in Christ. But Jesus said, this I have against you to five churches. But uh, Philadelphia was not one of them, so they received a commendation. And uh, it was for the works that they did and for persevering. And I think that's a really great example to us. And the times in which they lived, we saw here uh, in verse 9, that they were persecuted by what John wrote as the synagogue of Satan. And uh, essentially, they were being persecuted by the local synagogue, by the Jews, um, who claimed to be Jews, but as it said here, lie about that and, and did not really um, uh, do what they professed to do. Now, I do want to make it clear, John was not writing, nor was Jesus saying here that, that the local synagogue was, was you know, about Satan worship. That's not what he was saying. Um, I think as a reminder for us, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, what he's saying is that Satan is the source of all persecution. And so these Jews that were persecuting, remember that it's Satan who is doing this. They're from the synagogue of Satan. And I think that as an application for us, the world that we're living in today, we're seeing increased persecution, are we not? I mean, we're definitely you know, watching what's happening unfold around us. You know, just within the last year, probably you know, sometime in calendar year 2015, we read or heard about in the news you know, people being beheaded for their faith over in the Middle East, right? 23 Egyptians were, had their, their heads cut off because they were Christians by ISIS. Um, that's a, a direct form of persecution. Uh, recently, probably in the last three, four weeks, um, a, a court clerk in Kentucky was imprisoned for her beliefs, right? And uh, perhaps an accommodation could have been made, but she stood tall in her faith and, and went to jail for that. And last week in, in Roseburg, Oregon at Umqua College, um, nine people were shot uh, to death for their, for their belief in Jesus Christ and, and their faith there. Uh, in fact, they were asked, are you a Christian or do you believe in God? And uh, if they said yes, they were shot in the head. In fact, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but I understand that the, that the killer ended up saying, uh, good, if you're a Christian, because you're going to meet God here in a, in a couple of seconds. Um, and that's, that's just this raw, intense persecution that we're seeing uh, before us. I'm sharing this not to scare the church or scare any one of us. That's not my intent whatsoever. But I am saying, and I do believe this, that we ex- should expect more of this to come um, as time goes by here, and I think that we're in a time of preparation to, to get ready for that. And if it's not an all-out affront or an attack on your physical body the way some of these things are, um, certainly it could look like a, a challenge from your family, a challenge from your friends, um, a challenge in your circle of influence of people that you know that, that are not believers. Um, not to mention what's happening from a secular standpoint, just social and moral issues that we see sort of declining, you know, right before our eyes. Things like the sanctity of life, um, the sanctity of marriage, you know, these things that are just significantly under attack. And um, they're just contrary to Scripture. Uh, regardless of what man's opinion says, they're, they're contrary to Scripture. 
And uh, in one of the recent presidential debates, uh, one of the candidates, I think it was Governor Mike Huckabee, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I just loved what he said. He said, just because the Supreme Court says something is so doesn't mean that the Supreme Being says it's so. And uh, how encouraging that is for us Christians to know that this is not what Scripture says, and it doesn't matter what man says, it, it matters what God says. And I'm sharing all of this stuff with you. I want to be very clear. I'm not up here trying to make a political statement. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on from your political beliefs. Um, I'm making a biblical statement. And there's two things from the Bible that God impressed upon my heart about this very issue that we should hold on to as Christians. Number one, remember the question that was raised to Jesus, what is truth? (laughs) Well, don't we know in the Bible that we know one thing for sure? God is truth, right? So God is truth, number one. And number two, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what I can take from that is God doesn't change his truth for the times we live in or the culture that we live in. So regardless of what man says is that God wants to change his perspective on these things and it's okay, it's not. And we who then choose to stand up against that and say, time out, this is what I believe, um, we're going to face opposition. It's just, it's just how it is. And uh, what we're seeing here is Satan. He's the one that has the agenda, and he's the one that's behind it all. And so I mentioned I want to expand on that a few minutes ago a little bit more. Um, I think the application for us here really important that we recognize this, that what we're seeing, it's not the result of people. It's not the result of political leaders. It's not the result of government officials. It's not political groups. Um, All these factions that we look at, they're the problem, right? They've got an agenda. And we we say this a lot. Oh, this group or that group has has an agenda. And uh, I'm just here to say tonight, they don't. They're just carrying out something. Someone else has an agenda. And that someone else is the devil. It's Satan himself who is behind this. And as believers, it doesn't change that these issues grieve us, right? We see what's going on and our heart breaks over what's going on um, in the world. But I want to encourage us, let's not lose our witness in the process of dealing with these things that that we're facing. Um, And it's all based on how we respond to them. It shouldn't surprise us that we're seeing what we're seeing developing before our very eyes. And I think we have opportunity to take these events and these issues and these things that are going on where there is real fear. I'm saying to us tonight, we don't need to be afraid. But the world out there that's unsaved, they're afraid of this stuff that's going on. And so we have the opportunity to use these things as conversation starters to bring Jesus into the conversation and ultimately bring the gospel into the conversation because we can say, I'm not surprised by it at all. And I don't mean it flippantly. I'm not, this because, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me that's how it's going to be. And this stuff's unfolding right before our eyes. And I'm not afraid because I know where I'm going. And I know God's going to take care of us. And they don't have that. And you seem so sure. Why is that? Well, let me give you an opportunity to tell you why. And use it as a conversation start, rather than arguing points and saying, you're the problem, your agenda. And it, and it really, I think it radically affects sometimes how we get all worked up over this stuff and how we, how we talk to people. And uh, we don't need to do that. And I just remind you, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said that, that I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Um, the Alpha and the Omega means he's the A to Z. And if he's responsible for the A to the Z, then he's got everything in between under control also. Z hasn't come yet. 
So as far as I'm concerned, he's still on the throne and he's still in charge. So he has a plan for mankind. He has a plan for human history and he has a plan for my life and he has a plan for your life. From the day we were born till the day we die, till the day, from the day he started things till the day he chooses to end things, he, he's got everything in between. So none of this is a surprise to him. He's not worked up. I, I don't know why we need to get worked up. We can be grieved for sure. But how we address things, I think this should inform our conduct. This should inform our speech. If you're on social media, this should involve our tweets and our Facebook posts and how we deal with issues. We should be the the good witness. Um, We can still have a position. But we are going to be faced with, where do you stand on this? And uh, when we stand up and say, this is where I stand and I stand with God, we're going to get persecuted. And I think it's going to get worse. And I think the Lord is putting that on my heart to share with you to say, get ready. Don't be afraid. Just prepare yourself. It's, it's coming. And one more thing about Philadelphia before I get to the, to the exhortation about holding fast is it says in verse 8, you have a little strength. And uh, they were a relatively small church. I mean, compared to some of the other churches like Sardis. Okay, Sardis was like, you know, mega church, if you will. And um, Philadelphia is sort of like Calvary Chapel Vista. That's how I see it, and that's what the Lord sort of put on my heart. Um, a faithful and dynamic church. And I think we've been that. And it reminded me of, of the church. W- you know, the last seven or eight years in a, in a post-recession period, um, I've observed and I've been blessed to see that this church has done an awful lot with not very much, <laughs> with a little uh, in terms of, of resources. And so um, not just physical resources is what we need to operate as a church, but spiritual resources too. And uh, I think this statement of you have a little strength, you know, ties to their spiritual life also. They weren't too big. They weren't too strong. Um, they weren't too sure of themselves to rely on themselves. They recognized the importance of dependency upon God, and they knew that they needed God's strength. There was a poverty of spirit at Philadelphia. So this little church spoke to their size physical, but I think it spoke to their uh, recognition of where I stand before God. And I see a lot of that parallel in our church, and I'm radically blessed by that. And uh, I think that um, during these same times, you know, we have a desire to grow as a church. You know, nobody's going to say we wanted to stay the same size. We want to see more people uh, come into the kingdom. But I don't think we've ever lost sight of this principle um, of dependency on the Lord. And that's really important for Calvary Chapel Vista as a church. Um, but I think it's also really important for each one of you and me individually that this applies to us just as much to maintain that dependence. You know, we're just little. Hey, I'm just one person. How can I affect all these bad things that are going on in the world? I can't. I can affect my circle of influence. That still makes a difference to God, even if I do it one person at a time, right? Dependency on the Lord, whether I have a lot of resources or not. So um, really, uh, just some background, you know, to, to look at what Philadelphia, what they were like, and, and what the Lord was putting on my heart was just this parallel. And I'm sure every church would like to say, we want to be like Philadelphia, you know. And I, we're not a perfect church, right? <laughs> we're just not. Um, but no, no church is. But I see a lot of parallels there, and I'm, I'm just blessed by, by that. So the first of two big takeaways tonight is the exhortation. This is what I want to share with you. Um, the exhortation that Jesus gives here in verse 11. And he says, hold fast to what you have. If you remember one thing of scripture tonight, remember that. Hold fast to what you have. And a hold fast here means to not discard or let go of. 
keep it carefully or, or keep it faithfully, retain it. In my words, stay the course. Hold fast to what you have. Stay the course with what you're doing. And um, in the exhortation here to continue in what you've been doing and what you are doing, he says there's three things here, and I say these are the three things we need to be about as we go forward. Number one, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, in verse 8. To continue to focus as a church on missions and outreach is critically important, spreading the good news of the gospel. And as a church, this has been a very important part of of this ministry. I've been here uh, 21 years, but I know the church has been here 30 or so years, and 31 years maybe. And uh, asking someone here, I think we've planted somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 or 31 churches around the world. Um, It's something that we've been about, is we've had an open door, and we need to continue to do that. We can't stop doing what we've been doing and, and are doing. But this is true for us individually as well, our own daily lives. Um, in verse 8, he said there, see, you have an open door. And I think what he's saying there is, look, look for it. You have an open door that no one can shut to be able to share the gospel with other people. I like to use analogies like, you know, sometimes out of movies, but, uh, you know, you've seen Braveheart. Anyone seen Braveheart? Right, so he said, wait for it, right? Wait for it, wait for it. Well, I'm going to say, look for it, look for it, look for it. That's, I think that's what the Lord is saying here. Take every opportunity for the doors God opens up for you to share the gospel and share your, our faith while there's still time. Because I do believe the time is getting shorter. I have no idea what that timetable looks like, but I don't think there's probably any of us in the room that don't think that the time is getting shorter. And uh, today is the day of salvation, right? So any opportunity we have today could be that opportunity for that person, right? Um, So I also want you just to note here that in verse 8 he said, it's a door that no one can shut. And that speaks to the authority of Jesus Christ. Very, very clear to me that he has provided the open door. And he will continue to provide that open door. So no matter how much opposition, no matter how much persecution, he said you have an open door. And no one can shut it unless I say it gets shut. So we just need to keep doing what we're doing, no matter what. That's, I think that's the call. And so we need to be about bringing the gospel to an unsaved world, number one. That's what we, that's what we need to hold fast to of what we have, because that's what we have been doing, and that's what we are doing, and we need to keep doing that. Secondly, it says here, Uh, In verse 8, you've kept my word. Philadelphia was a faithful church. They were faithful to Jesus and his word. And I can tell you in my 21 years, and some of you have been here longer than that at Calvary Vista, we've been about teaching the truth here. And uh, that blesses me. I'm probably going to date myself, and I know some of you will too because I'm asked to raise your hands, but how many, some of you are going to not have any idea what I'm talking about. How many remember who Flip Wilson is? Yeah. We're aging ourselves, right? Anybody remember what he said, right? That's the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. Right? So help me God. That's how it was. And that's what we need to teach. That's the truth. It's the whole truth. And it's nothing but the truth. This book, that's what it is. And for me, we, we, I see it at Calvary Vista. We teach the whole counsel of God with no compromise. And I think we need to be about that as individuals. Um, teaching the truth. And we do that through sharing of the word. We have an opportunity to do that every single day. 
You don't have to stand here in the pulpit and be a pastor or you know, be someone to be able to say, well, you can teach the word and you can share the truth. Everyone can do that. But in order to share the truth, you, in order to give the word, you've got to be in the word. And I think there's an exhortation to us to say, be people of the word so that we can have it in us so that we can then give it away along the way so that we can keep his word and be faithful to it and obey it and do it like we've been in James and Rob saying, you know, the early messages that we had in chapter one, right? Be doers of the word. We need to be faithful and obedient to the word like Philadelphia was, teaching truth. And we need to be diligent to rightly divide the word of truth. It takes diligence to do that. That you have not denied my name. To be faithful to Jesus' name and his character and who he is and their testimony represented what they believed. In our modern day you know, terminology, you'd say that they talked the talk and they walked the walk. And um, they weren't ashamed of the gospel because they knew that it was the power of God unto salvation. And they shared it. And uh, we need to do the same thing. They were prepared to stand for what they believed and they lived accordingly before God and before man. And I think that's an exhortation for us too. Number three, to be ready to stand for Jesus. To speak up for what we believe in and live uh, according to it. And uh, as things become more challenging for us, as I said, and I think that they will, um, will these be the three things, the three works that Jesus will know us by? Will he say, I know your works and commend us for the fact that we have an open door and no one can shut it and we're sharing the gospel? That we're in the word and we're keeping it. You've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Those are the things that we've been about for 30 years here at Calvary Vista and I've been here for 20, some of them. That's what we're doing right now. And that's the exhortation. Keep doing what you've been doing. Hold fast to what you have. We have three powerful things. An open door, the word, and the name of Jesus. And, and, and the name of Jesus is powerful. Right? It still has authority. And we don't need to concede it. The world wants us to concede it. Satan wants us to give up and concede it. But we're not going to concede it. I think that's the message. So that's that. And um, the exhortation to hold fast would be, don't depart from the solid foundation that you have, no matter what unfolds before us. And uh, Joshua uh, chapter 1, verse 9 came to my heart as I was preparing this, just uh, this idea of be of good courage, right? Be of good courage. And I just want you to think about this, about being of good courage and standing for your faith. This is a really thought-provoking thing to me, is I... Um, had a thing on Facebook recently that someone sent after the issue that happened up in Oregon. And it was just a little square thing with some words in it. And I read it and I just stopped in my tracks and I thought about it. Being courageous. Who, was the, who were the courageous people? Nine people died at the hands of somebody that put a gun to their head and shot them because they said, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the first one didn't know what was coming. Do you believe in God? Yes, I do. Bam. I think the most, this is what this thing said, the most courageous person was the second person that got shot. Because the first person didn't know what was going to happen. The second one did. What blesses me is two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine said yes also, knowing what their faith was. Would we stand for our faith and say, absolutely. And I want to say yes, because we know where we're going. We will not deny the name of Jesus. And, and, and just a really you know, thought-provoking thing, and, and I think the message, stay the course. Hold fast to what you have. The next second thing, the other big takeaway tonight is encouragement. I think an encouraging word from the Lord that we're going to be rewarded for our perseverance. 
Uh, he said here, hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. That no one may take your crown, verse 11. And to me, a crown implies reward, recognition or reward. And it's a reward for perseverance. And so the word of encouragement from the Lord, I believe, is, is twofold tonight in this passage of Scripture. And one is in verse 10. He says, because you've kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the earth. This could be a study in and of itself, verse 10. Um, so I'm going to really gloss over some things and not go too deep um, because a lot of different opinions about when the rapture is going to occur and et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, but we know he's talking about the tribulation here. And um, to me, it's a word of promise because it says, I will keep you from the hour. Not I might, or if you do this, I'll consider doing it. I will. It's, it's a promise. We have a promise. This is about our future. It's a promise of our future. That's the word of encouragement. And we're going to be spared from the judgment that's going to come upon the earth. And it's a form of judgment that we have never seen before. So I think when we're having our tough days and we see the stuff going on around us and we're discouraged, we should be encouraged to know that we're not going to be here when God decides to pour his judgment out on the world. We just won't see it. He said here, I will keep you from it. Who will he keep it? Because you have kept my command to persevere. Hold fast to what you have. Keep doing what you're doing. And because you did that, I'm going to spare you from this. What an awesome thought to think about that. So when all the stuff we see going on, think of that. Think of our future. I'm going to keep saying that because that's, that's really what it's about. The world is deteriorating um, as the Bible predicts. And, and the judgment that's coming you know, is just going to be intense. And so I do want to say tonight, if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord and is facing that judgment, reconsider. Because there's a judgment here on earth that's going to come as God pours his judgment out on the world. And then after that, there's a second judgment in his presence for all of eternity. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're in that place where you're apart from Christ, come to him. And um, I'd be happy to talk to you. See me after, after service. I'd love to share my heart with you and, and share what it takes. It's simple. We just need to say yes to Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior. Acknowledge that we're sinners and that we need him. And we say yes to him and we can avoid all that judgment. What many of us, most of us, perhaps I hope all of us have, that heavenly hope and that future you know, ahead of us. Secondly, it says here in verse 12, to he who overcomes... I will. I'm going to cover two or three things here, but another promise. I will do what I'm going to tell you here. Number one, make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Well, this is a pillar is a picture of strength and stability. And this is describing our future, the heavenly hope that we have. And it's strong and it's stable and it's sure. It's a pillar. I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of my God. What, a, what an incredible thought. Philadelphia, by the way, this is not an accident, I think, that he's saying this. Philadelphia was a place known for earthquakes, a lot of them. They had, you know, maybe not like California, we have them once in a while. Um, but when a building would collapse, what remained were these huge pillars. There was stability to them. And as an application for us, you know, we have a heavenly hope. This is clear to us here. But I want to tell you, we also have an earthly hope. When the world is sort of crumbling around us, we have the stability 
as a pillar of Jesus Christ. But the pillar sits on a foundation. Pillar is of no value if it's not sitting on a solid foundation. So we're a pillar. We hold up a building, a church. I'll take some liberties on that. I know the church isn't a building. It's all of us. But we're holding that up. And we're sitting on a foundation. Jesus Christ. What's your foundation? It needs to be the Lord. It says, secondly, that I'll write on him the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. Again, this is a reference to our future. It speaks of a place of permanence and stability with God. And with this idea of Philadelphia being an unsettled place with a lot of earthquakes, there was always this fear of, hey, earthquake, we got we to leave. And then we got to come back. So there was this going out and coming in. Uh, not so in our future. We're going in. And it's going to be stable and it's going to be sure. It's going to be like that. Thirdly, I will write on him the name of my God and I will write on him my new name. Two things here. Speaks one to a mark of identity. When the name of God is written on it, it identifies us with who we belong to. We belong to God. But secondly, it shows a mark of intimacy. It shows a relationship that we have with God. We're privileged to have a relationship with the living God, uh, unlike other people who don't have that. So we've got an identity and an intimacy with God because he's going to write his name on us. It's going to show who we are in him. What incredible thoughts in the midst of this stuff that's going on around us. Rather than be discouraged, I think the encouragement tonight that the Lord wants to say is hold on to these things when you're having that bad day and you're watching the news, right? Or you're talking about issues with people or you just see what's going on and you're thinking about it because the future isn't very bright for the world today from a a biblical perspective. It's not. It's it's going down. Our future is bright. Our future is very, very bright. Um, So stay the course and the reward awaits for those who persevere. So as we wrap up here tonight, I just want to leave you with a sort of personal application. I'll call it my call to action. Um, It says in verse 13, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. And despite the decline of what's going on around us in terms of moral values and social values, despite the persecution, what we're seeing here tonight is that we have a call to persevere. And it's what the Spirit has to say. And so I do want to ask you the question, did we, me, did we, you, did we, the church, did we hear what the Spirit had to say tonight? I'm not asking for an answer. I'm asking you to think about, did you hear what the Spirit had to say tonight? Because we need to apply what he's, what he's telling us. This is not my opinion, what I've shared with you tonight. And it's not a, like I'm up here, I'm issuing a personal challenge to you guys that you've got to do this stuff. I'm not at all. It's what the Spirit has to say. It's a reminder that we're called by the Spirit of God um, to continue in our, faith. And it, it, in our faith. And it's a choice, and it's up to us. Um, I've said it before tonight. I'll say it one more time. I'm not trying to scare anyone. But I do foresee difficult times ahead in terms of having to stand for what we believe. I think that's coming. And this is a time of preparation. And I think what's coming um, is something that we've never seen before. And so as it unfolds, remember the takeaways. I'm just going to recap them here. Persecution. The source is Satan. It is not people. He's the real enemy, not the person that's opposing you. Um, Be good witnesses in the midst of challenging times and, and challenges to our faith. 
Be in control and, and be a good witness. The exhortation, hold fast to what you have. Don't discard what you actually have. Don't let it go. Don't concede it. We need to faithfully and carefully retain what Jesus has given us because he's still in charge. He still has authority. We have an open door to share the gospel, and he said no one can shut it. We have his word, and we have his name. Don't deny it. Those three things do that. And from an encouragement standpoint, the world we're living in, as it seems like it's falling apart from a secular standpoint, remember your future. Remember your future. It's a promise. It's a, it's a complete and absolute promise. This is all temporary, what we're dealing with and what we're seeing unfolding. Maintain an eternal perspective. Keep our eyes up and look to the future and be encouraged by that. And I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I'm up here sharing all this stuff and like I've got a, a handle on all this stuff. Like I'm really good on all this stuff. I'm not. <laughs> I get discouraged. Um, I get beat up by the world. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I know it was on a Thursday, um, I had a really rough day. Probably one of the roughest days I've had in a long, long time. And so um, it was practical issues and it was spiritual. Because of the practical issues, then the spiritual stuff starts coming. And um, the next morning, starting all over again, and um, as I was getting ready to go to work, he spoke to my heart, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, just like that. And um, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I walked out into my garage saying, steadfast and immovable. Be steadfast and immovable. Don't be moved by the stuff that's going on. And remember, your faith is not in vain. Your work in the Lord is not in vain. It may feel like it. Why am I doing this? I'm just getting crushed. It's not in vain. The Lord wants you to know that and, and remember that. Stay the course. Be steadfast and immovable. Hold fast to what you have. Stand firm in the Lord and stay the course and receive the reward for perseverance. That's, that's what he has for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for um, just the opportunity. Lord, I know this is of you. And um, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, a letter to a church um, of commendation, Lord, and encouragement to know that things in, in our midst that we have, that we have resources to continue on and, and, and live our faith out, no matter what the opposition is. And I just pray for each and every one of us tonight that you would pour out your spirit upon us, um, encourage us. And help us, Lord, to, to do this very thing, Lord. To, in these, these times, there's people around us that need you. And uh, we're the pillars. We're the ones they're going to look to, Lord. And we want to just be effective for you. So I just pray that you would uh, do that in our lives, that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.